0: Heavenly Father, we know that many ignore your words, but Lord, we ask that you would send your spirit amongst us this morning and soften our hearts so that we do not ignore your word, but instead we have ears to listen and that we seek to put it into practice. The commands that you give us this morning, oh Lord, apply them to our minds but also to our hearts so that we follow them with joy. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we continue this morning our series in Colossians, not Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, and we've been looking at the Lord Jesus and how he is the one who has paid the debt, he is the image of the invisible God, and then the instructions that we are given as his people who follow him. There are specific commands that are given in chapter 3 as to how we are to live as his people. But also, towards the end of chapter 3, we've been seeing that there are particular commands given to particular groups within the church. Uh, We are not all the same. Uh, We are a varied people and we have different roles. And so there were particular commands given to wives in verse 18, to husbands in verse 19. And then last week we looked at the commands given to children in verse 20 and to fathers in verse 21. And this morning we're going to look at the next group of people, next two groups of people really, uh, verse 22, slaves, and in chapter 4, verse 1, masters. Slaves and masters are the subject for our examination this morning. Now, when it comes to the subject of slavery, of course, that comes up in the text here. Uh, Many of you may be having questions about the matter of slavery and what the Bible uh, has to say about slavery, uh, given that there are commands here for slaves to obey their earthly masters. And, of course, slavery is a subject that we're still uh, interested in today, uh, particularly in uh, Western nations that have a history of enslaving people. But I'm yet to meet anyone defending the matter of slavery. I'm yet to find anyone that will come up to me and say, look, I think we should have slaves again. And so I didn't think it was worth uh, our time this morning as we look at these verses together to look at a defence of of the Bible and its uh, considerations of slavery. And so if you are interested in the matter of what the Bible has to say about slavery. Uh, It may be a subject that comes up when atheists talk to you and they want to dismiss the Bible. They want to say, oh, look, the Bible condones slavery. If that is something that you want to examine, then there are books that you can read on the subject. And if you want to read something that's, uh, I think, a very tight little summary of what the Bible has to say, then there's this book called The Sufficiency of of Scripture by Noel Weeks, published by Banner of Truth. Uh, Noel Weeks was a theologian here in Australia. He taught at Sydney University. He passed away at the beginning of this year, uh, very sadly, Uh, but he uh, was a wonderful Old Testament scholar and he actually has a chapter, about 10 pages in this book, on the subject of slavery and what the Bible has to say about slavery. So if you're particularly interested in that, uh, you can see me and have a look at the book afterwards if you like, or you can order a copy uh, from a good Christian bookstore and look at that uh, but basically uh, we have to understand that the bible doesn't condone slavery in the way that people often picture slavery today particularly chattel slavery um, if i was just to make a, a quick comment the bible is very clear against kidnapping and that doesn't just mean children it means man capping you know, Man capping? Uh, Man uh, stealing is often the translation that's given for the the Greek word, uh, that it is very much against that. Uh, And so it's a a helpful subject to look at if you, uh, uh, particularly from an atheist, uh, coming at you with it. But I didn't want to take a lot of time on it this morning because the word that is used uh, here in the Greek in verse 22, slaves, can also be used of servants. It's a word that doesn't just mean slaves, it also means servants, Uh, and it's used in the Old Testament, in the translation of the Old Testament Hebrew, to even describe David's courtiers. Joab, uh, one of uh, David's commanders, is called a, a slave, if you want to translate it literally slave every time, he's called a slave. But we understand that he's not a slave in the sense that we often associate with the word slave, but he's a servant of David. And so the obvious application of these texts to us today is, of course, to employees, to those who are employees, to those who work for someone else. And what are they to do if we apply this uh, to them? Verse 22, it's obey your earthly masters and in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. If you're an employee, if you serve someone else who is your employer, then what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to obey them in everything. means... Similarly to children, they were told in verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything. So that means what? Last week we looked at no arguing, no debating, you are obedient to your parents, and that is the case for employees. Most of the time you just do what they say. That's part of your contract with them. Your relationship with them is you're supposed to do what they say. Of course, you do not let them tell you to do things that are are breaking of God's law. As we looked at with children last week, they can actually defy their parents if their parents are going against God's law. And so your employer can't uh, command you to steal, to do things that would harm others that are contrary to God's law. But generally speaking, if they ask you to do something, just do it, is what Paul wants to say to you today. But he doesn't just speak to uh, employees, he also speaks to masters in chapter 4, verse 1. And so it's not just that the employers can uh, throw their weight around all the time and the employees have to simply obey. Masters also have a command from God here in verse 1. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven." We have to be conscious that employers also have a command from God, and that is that they need to make sure that they provide for their employees what is right and fair. They cannot go around commanding things that are contrary to God's law and being unfair with their employees. Instead, they need to do what is right and fair. And I think also, as we look at this text together, we don't just focus on employees and employers. I think we should look at verse 23 and make a broad application to all of us. Verse 23, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. I know some of you here this morning are not employed by anybody, and you don't employ anyone. So is there nothing for you today? Well, no, verse 23 says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. We as Christians are supposed to do something with our lives. We are not called to just sit around and do nothing if we have the privilege of being able to do that. No, we're supposed to work. Whether it be paid or not, work is our lot. We are not supposed to be idle, we're supposed to work. And we saw that from the reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it says, Man is to work, for that is his lot. And it's a good and satisfying way to live. And the Apostle Paul makes this clear in other writings of his to other churches. To the church in Ephesus, in chapter 4, verse 28, he says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. When you become a Christian, you don't stop sin. You start to do right as well. So you don't stop stealing. Yeah, well, you do stop stealing, and then what do you do? You actually do something useful. You work. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands. Again, a focus on doing something with your hands, just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Now, some of you may be saying, well, what about me when I get to a later stage of life? Surely there's what we call retirement in Western nations where I can just sit back and relax and everybody should serve me. Well, I think the Apostle Paul has something to say to you as well, and he says it particularly to widows in 1 Timothy chapter 5, but I think we can take a broader application to to all those who are at that retirement age. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 4 says, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead, even while she lives. If you're someone who lives for pleasure in retirement, you're dead, Paul says, even while you live. You still can find something to do, the Apostle Paul says, and particularly for your own family, to care for them. And so repay your parents and your grandparents who cared for you when you were a bubba. That's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to sit around watching TV all day and being idle. There is no place really for retirement where you sit around and do nothing. The Bible says that you're supposed to work, preferably something with your own hands, the Apostle Paul tends towards. We can all find something to do. And so children, this includes you as well. Students, study hard. You're not paid to study, but that is your lot in life at that particular stage. And so you should see it as your work and that you do it from your heart as we're encouraged to do in verse 23. Retirees, do something with your own hands, whether it be home duties, whether it be helping others, just do something. Mow the lawn, clean the house, do something work with your hands parents change nappies shop for groceries cook clean fix things around the house that is all work that the lord gives you to do as well now of course if you've got weaker bodies it is difficult to do something with your hands there are still things that you can do even if you are paralyzed in many parts of your body what can you still do you can still pray you can work at prayer prayer is hard work I'm sure most of you would agree agree that prayer is a labour and we need people to labour at prayer for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so if you've got a weak body and you find it difficult to do much for yourself, do much for others by prayer. Move mountains by faith and by prayer for the advancement of God's kingdom. Now you may say, why should I work with all my heart? I might be pushed to work a bit, but why should I do it with all my heart as it instructs me to do in verse 23, particularly if you've got harsh employers or you're unpaid? No one pays you to clean the toilet in your home? Why should I bother? Why should I get around to it? Why should I do it with all my heart? Well, we recognise that all work is ultimately service to Christ As our master in heaven. When you do stuff around the house, when you look after your children, you are working and you're doing it for a master. And who is that master? It is Christ. This comes up again and again in the text. Look with me at verse 23 Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. And verse 24 Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And then the masters, in verse 1 of chapter 4, masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair. Why? Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. We're all under a master. Whatever you work, you do with your hands, it is for the master, the Lord Christ. And similarly, in the parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 5, oh sorry, chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. We're told again and again that ultimately our master is God. Yes, we have employers under him, but they are under the true master. Who is in heaven. And so we see this all through the Bible, not just in these passages again and again in the Old Testament. How are the people of God called, often referred to as servants of the Lord? Even the great ones in the Old Testament, they're called a servant of the Lord. Moses, the servant of the Lord. And in the New Testament as well, they're referred to as servants of the Lord again and again. And so, why do we serve with all our heart? because ultimately we know it is for the master who is in heaven the lord jesus christ but why should we work for him well the text gives us a few reasons firstly we see that christ richly rewards those who serve him faithfully by working at whatever he has given them to do and we see that in verse 24 since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the lord as a reward It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Why should you work with all your heart, as it says in verse 23? Because you will receive a reward from the Lord in the next life and in this life. As you serve in this world, doing something useful, often you get that intrinsic buzz that even non-Christians recognize and often become workaholics for because they, they find work satisfying. That's a reward from the Lord. And then he often blesses you with extrinsic rewards as well, like money and other perks that come along because you have been faithfully serving the Lord Jesus. And, of course, in the next life, it's probably the ultimate application that's being referred to there in verse 24 when it speaks of this inheritance, that the Lord, even if we aren't rewarded a lot in this, in this life because of the injustice that's often around in the sinful world we live in, and you think of even slaves in the... New Testament period who would never have even dreamed of having an inheritance at all, let alone some sort of reward coming in on a regular basis for what they do for their master. This is such an encouragement to them to serve faithfully because they have an inheritance. And what is that inheritance? Riches in heaven itself that goes on for all of eternity. So of course they can serve faithfully because they keep their eye on the payday that is yet to come and ultimately it's not even a payday it's an inheritance and it's abundance that we get simply for being a child of God and being an obedient child of God and this of course gives encouragement not just to employees but also to employers to be more generous if you know that you've got a great reward coming you've got a great inheritance coming in the next life You don't have to keep everything for yourself. Instead, you can be generous to your employees and provide them with what is right and fair, but even go above and beyond and reward them richly because you know that ultimately you don't have to amass lots of treasure for yourself in this world because you have a far greater treasure that endures for all of eternity in the next life. So we should serve... Faithfully, because Christ is our master, we should serve him faithfully because he rewards. We should also serve him faithfully because he disciplines those who do wrong in the workplace. And we see that in verse 25. After speaking about reward in verse 24, giving you the good news, then the bad news comes if you're disobedient. Verse 25, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. God punishes bad workers who are unbelievers. He also... Disciplines believers when they are bad workers, if they steal from their employees, if they are constant clock watchers, taking longer breaks than they are allotted, doing shoddy jobs, deliberately so, and thinking, ah, it doesn't really matter. What does the Master in Heaven think? He will repay you for your wrong, and there is no favoritism. So, why should you work faithfully with all your heart? Because Christ is your master, because you're rewarded, because he will discipline you, and we should fear that. We should fear the discipline of the Lord. Fourthly, why else should we work hard? Well, we should remember what a privilege it is to work for Christ. What a privilege it is to work for Christ. Unbelievers, as I said, have often latched onto to the, the benefit of work and the good buzz that you get from it, and they end up making work itself a god. But we work because we know it is a form of worship to our God in heaven. And it's a joyful form of worship to him as the greatest of all employers. Think of the greatest employer in the world. Probably a tech company of some sort. The greatest place to work for. And you see them advertised at different times and say, oh, yes, you should go work for this if you can get in there. Think of the perks of working for this employer. Where wrongs are always righted where the wages, bonuses, perks are incredible, where they provide meals for you. They have buffets at lunch and dinner and at breakfast if you get in early enough to work, where they even provide entertainment, downtime areas, recreational areas. They may even provide you with accommodation and lovely accommodation at that. Where there's lots of staff to support your labors, where there's plenty of training and knowledge available for your work, It's nothing more frustrating than not being trained for your job or not having access to the knowledge that you need to do your work. And so we look at these employers and they are there supporting you with staff and help and information. Where the time for rest is taken seriously, where they give you annual leave and may even give you naps. In the afternoon, I've seen some of these employers uh, the photographs of their workplaces and they have these sleep pods where you can go and have a nap and it's all dark inside and all relaxing and noise cancelling and you think, that's a place that I'd like to work for. They take rest seriously there and know that a nap in the afternoon helps you work harder for the rest of the day. Uh, where the boss always has an open door policy and you can go in and you can speak to him And he listens to what you have to say and acts as appropriate. You come to him with an idea and he listens and then actually does something about it. And where the boss is actually willing to get his hands dirty and do some of the most filthy jobs around the workplace. Wouldn't that be a great place to work? Well, if you're a Christian, you do work there. You do work there. Jesus is our employer and Jesus provides these things in abundance. How? Jesus always corrects the wrongs against us. He may take time to to correct it, but he will get there eventually, even if it takes till Judgment Day. Jesus remembers our work. He always notices. Every time you change a nappy, he notices. And he gives great wages and bonuses, and perks. When we consider that every good gift is from God, he rewards his workers abundantly when we consider that. He gives us other staff to support us. Who are the staff that are around us as we seek to work for our master? Well, our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're there to support us and help us in our labours. And of course, the greatest gift is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to support us as we seek to work for the Master with all our heart. He gives the great instruction manual for everything we need to do in this world. What's the instruction manual? It's the Bible. It's the Scriptures. He's given you all you need, all the knowledge that you need to do your work faithfully, whatever work it is. He has given you the information. He gives times of rest, particularly for eternity. It may be that your rest time, you sometimes feel like you're hanging out for it and it's a long time away. It may be that it's about 80 years away before you get a rest. But it will come. And then it will be a, a super long rest that you will receive. Jesus has the greatest open door policy that we could imagine. He's just a prayer away. You can always call on the boss and he will listen. And he often acts based on what you call upon him for. Some employees, they work in a workplace and they're really bothered by stuff and they never speak to the boss and they keep on getting bothered. How many Christians are like that? They're getting bothered about the work that Jesus has given them and if they just called on the boss for a bit of help, things would be much easier. Jesus has the greatest open door policy and Jesus himself works hard And does the dirtiest job of all. I said about the greatest employers to work for, the greatest bosses to work for. They're the ones that roll up their sleeves and do the job that they couldn't bear to ask their employee to do. And that's what Jesus did. What was the dirtiest job that Jesus did? He took our sin upon his shoulders and bore it to the cross. He bore the wrath of God that we deserve. He's the master. And he did it. He did it for his employees, for the sake of his employees. He's the greatest master to work for. So let us rejoice in the privilege of working for the King of Kings. We don't deserve to untie Christ's sandals. But he gives us so much more to do than untie his sandals. All our work is for him. Whether it be changing nappies... Whether it be making your own breakfast, whether it be studying maths, or dealing with difficult customers and bosses, it's all part of the workload. You think, if I could only get away from these customers and then I could concentrate on work. No, dealing with the customers is part of what God has given you to do. What Jesus has said, this is what I want you to do today. It's part of the work. You see it as getting in the way of the work, but it's actually part of the work. Dealing with a disobedient child It seems like that has gotten in the way of getting them to school. No, but the part of the workload for that day is dealing with the disobedient child and getting them to school as well. That's what the master has given you that morning. And so you do it with all your heart because it's a privilege to work for the greatest employer in the world. And then fifthly, I've given you four reasons so far as to why you should work with all your heart because it's the Lord Jesus we've got to be conscious of that's we're working for. He rewards, he disciplines, he's the greatest employer in the world. But fifthly, we should work hard for the sake of the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ. Well, we've heard different ways that the gospel is pictured even in these last few weeks. We've seen it as a a marriage, we've seen it as a relationship of parent to child. We should remember that it's also Christ taking rebels and giving them a job and promising them reward and an inheritance. Do we realise that when we are negative towards work, to just doing something with our hands, do we realise that we're being negative towards the gospel message? Those who don't do much at all, who sit around living for pleasure, do you realise that you're saying work is bad and therefore being a servant of the Lord Jesus is not good? And so a beautiful image of the gospel of the privilege of working for the master is lost by the way that you just treat your workload that you don't want to work at all and workers if we grumble and complain about work and long for the weekend and for holidays and for retirement remember speaking to someone in their 20s and they were looking forward to retirement couldn't believe it How many decades are you going to lose grumbling and complaining before you hit retirement? And that's if you don't have a heart attack before you hit retirement. If we do that, what are we saying? Serving is bad. Being served is better. And Christ is a harsh master. And so we taint that wonderful image that we have in the Bible of he is the master and we are his servants and that's a privilege and an honour have and employers by being unfair don't you see that you're picturing jesus as a bad master and so not attracting people to christ when they hear that he is the master in heaven and that we are his servants so let's remember that a negative attitude towards work has a negative impact upon the gospel message but also while we do that let's realize that if we have a positive attitude towards work we're then being positive towards the gospel message as well. We're painting the gospel message in the light that it should be seen as a positive thing. If we look for work and endure the work that we have and even enjoy the work that we have, the idea of working for Christ is actually attractive. When someone hears that we can work for God... They're actually attracted to it because they know that you see work as a good and positive thing and so the gospel is promoted. And if employers treat employees fairly and generously, then the idea of working for Christ as a fair and loving master is attractive to people as well. When they hear the fact that Jesus is the master, they go, oh, that's a good thing rather than think of it as a negative thing because all their life they've always been treated by employers who are harsh and unfair towards them and you as an employer if you're if you have the privilege of having people under you do you realize that you have an opportunity to really emulate christ by going above and beyond for your employees just as christ went above and beyond for us by going to the cross. When you do the job in your workplace that you say, I couldn't ask you, I couldn't pay you enough to do that, I have to do it, you are showing Christ in his glory and helping promote the gospel, which tells us that Christ gave up his life for his employees. So let's not just share the gospel with our lips, let's live the gospel. I've said this again and again as we've been looking at these instructions to wives and husbands and children and fathers. Let's live the gospel in our workplaces, as employers and employees, so that when people hear that we are servants of Christ, they're attracted to Christ, as they've seen the joy we have as servants and the goodness of masters in this world. And if you're not a Christian, realise that you're missing out on working for the best organisation known to man, with a loving, generous, fair and kind master. All that you do for him will lead to joy and reward, even hard work. It may be hard work that the Lord has given you at any given day or maybe for weeks, months or years, but you can learn to love it because you know it is for your master who died for you. And so I encourage you, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, come to him today, trust in him and experience the honour of working for a master who died for you and will give you an eternal inheritance in heaven if you will trust in him. And all of us, do we work with all our hearts as working for the Lord? No matter how incapacitated we may be at times, no matter how unwell we may feel, do we still strive to work? Do you not find joy in work? Is that because you don't actually know what it is to work for the heavenly master? You're actually outside of christ if you find work to always be a pain and you grumble and you complain is it because you're not actually working for the master you're still working for yourself and for the evil one come to christ if that is the case and enjoy serving him no matter how hard the work may be that he gives you and tomorrow when we go to work or start the washing machine or mow the lawn or whatever it may be Will we remind ourselves then of why? I work because I know the Lord rewards and punishes me according to my work. I work because I know it is a great privilege to work for the greatest master. And I work, I do something each day because I want people to view the gospel positively and not negatively, that the image of worker and master is a positive image for our relationship the God who reigns supreme. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Lord Jesus, what a privilege it is to work for such a good and loving master. We ask that you would forgive us for not working with all our heart and bringing disgrace upon a beautiful gospel image. Help us to work diligently in whatever you call us to do so that people are attracted to you as a heavenly master and trust in you